Good morning. As uh, Pastor Mike shared, I'm Pastor Bill, uh, one of our pastors on our pastoral staff for 92 Ministries, and it is a privilege always to be with you and to share God's message. And I'm excited about this message today, as intense as it is. Uh, Pastor Mike shared that this is uh, all about Jesus coming again, Judgment Day. Uh, and actually, it's kind of a two-parter. If you were here last week, Pastor Tim began a message on 2 Peter 3. We're going to return to that chapter. He talked about um, the details, the what of Judgment Day. Today, I'm going to talk about the why and why Jesus seems to be delaying, if we could put it that way. Uh, to get our bearings, why don't we jump right into 2 Peter 3, uh, 1 to 9, and I'll just read those words for you. So if you want to tune in with your ears and your hearts, here's what Peter the Apostle says. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Uh, this is the word for our consideration. Let's open with prayer. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. It was a nice summer day, uh, a lot like today. And uh, this particular man had some time on his hands. So he decided to go for a walk down his neighborhood. And as he's walking along and seeing his neighbor's houses, and everybody seemed to have a great time, he saw a sign in the yard it said, talking dog for sale. Talking dog. And it was a picture of this beautiful black lab. The guy having time on his hands. thought, well, this is interesting, a talking dog. So he had to check it out. He goes up to his neighbor's door, knocks on the door, and the owner appears there. He asks about the dog, and he uh, proceeds to take him to the back to see the talking dog. Well, as he goes into the backyard, there is this beautiful black lab tied to a tree. And he looks at the owner, and he's like, really talks? He's like, yeah. Could I try? Be my guest. So he goes up to this black, dog, uh, black lab, and he kind of looks in his eyes, and this cute little dog there, and uh, he feels weird about it, but he's like, so hey, buddy, I heard you could talk, huh? And with the most articulate of voices and communication, the dog began to speak. He's like, well, yes, I can talk. I've been able to talk since I was a puppy, and well, when I was young, I realized I was unique. I was gifted. So I decided to apply to the CIA. 
And as I applied to the CIA, they, they found in me a real gift. I mean, who would ever guess that a dog could hear and talk? And so they sent me around the world, and I uncovered all these secret plans for the benefit of our country. I mean, Fourth of July, right? Message, what a great dog, huh? And he says, now I could tell you about those secrets, but then I'd have to kill you, so I'm not going to do that. And uh, well, as time went on, I met the missus. We had a mess of pups, lived a good life. The grown in God now, gone here, so I'm just retired, hanging out by this tree. The guy was blown away. He couldn't believe a talking dog. Wow, and a beautiful black lab at that. And yes, the owner's like, well, how much do you want for this dog? The owner's like, 10 bucks. <laughs> and he was more astonished, like, 10 bucks, why so little? He's like, yeah, talking dog, but uh, you can't believe a word he says, so. There's a, a parallel to that story in the spiritual realm. And I wish it were a laughing matter like that opening story. But it's not. It's really sad. It's a really heavy thing. Um, and where am I going with this? Well, just think about this. When we gather here for worship... You ever think about the amazing thing that we celebrate here? It's not a dog that speaks. It's, it's God. God is speaking, and we celebrate that around His beautiful Word, the Scriptures. And we hear God speak about all things of life and where we're headed. And, and it's good to hear that because in this we're grounded. In this we know who we are. In this we have life and life eternal that does not end. And yet if you notice this, that we celebrate this miraculous working, not that God can speak. I mean, that's a given, but that he could speak to us in such a way that we could understand and and. and, and to, Destroy that divide between us, that, that sin that kept us from seeing God, understanding God, hearing him. I mean, he's called the hidden God for a reason. In his holiness, he cannot interact with us in all of his beauty. For sinners can't stand in that sight. And yet he found a way, a gentle way, even though we live in this tough world, a tender way to come and speak to us so that we might have life and love be safe. And, and yet the world, and, and sometimes our own sinful hearts, we question his word. But we don't doubt that God speaks. I mean, we could see it on a beautiful day like today. And, and we don't doubt he's made that absolutely clear in Jesus Christ, in flesh and blood. 2,000 years ago, God proved himself by giving us his son who lived and did everything that you and I needed and then when it came to our sins, died on that cross, suffered our hell, our judgment in advance. So we never would have to. Proved all of that by coming out from the tomb. I mean, could God speak a clearer message? You are forgiven and loved. Jesus' wounds prove that. And yet in our hearts and in with the world, again and again, we question. Ah, did God really say? Oh, yeah, you can't take him at his word. And, and, and maybe we see this uh, constantly in our lives. And I know our young people see this so well. I just came back from Knoxville, Tennessee, and there was a, a youth rally of 2,000 teens. What a treat, huh? Being with 2,000 teens. I mean, and they were great. They were awesome teens, though. And I had the privilege of presenting on a difficult message on uh, 
we, we titled it All Things LGBTQIA+. You know, it was Pride Month and so on, too. And all, all these teens had questions. And, and we all agreed, and I think the world does too, like, hey, Jesus is someone that we need to reckon with, and Jesus has a lot of great things to say. Jesus says, love your enemies, love all people, and that's good. And Jesus says, don't judge, because he's the judge, and that's good. But when it comes to Jesus' other words in Matthew 19, when he talks about marriage and male and female, there's so much confusion in the world it's almost like we're just saying, well, Jesus, well, can't take you at your word there. That word that goes all the way back to the beginning. You see, God's always been consistent. And, and, and this isn't just for our day and age. It's, it's always been this way since, well, since we divorced ourselves from God, uh, since we strayed from him because of our sin, when we wanted to define what is good and what is evil, never mind God. I'm thinking about what Jesus was quoting from Genesis 1 through 3. You have God, the beautiful creation. He was speaking with humanity. And then chapter 3, we didn't want that anymore. And God, don't, he doesn't force love. He won't force love. And so, well, now we're all confused. And we know God exists. We see him in Jesus, but we can't believe a word he says. Or we struggle. And that's why we can't believe God could create everything in six 24-hour days. Not miraculously, not just by speaking his word, but we know better with our modern minds. Yeah, God speaks, but you can't trust what he says. But you think about the end, right, where God says, look, I know humanity is broken. I know my creation is broken because of sin. I'm going to fix it. And in time, he's already addressed it at the cross. But in the end, he's got a day of judgment. Even today, though, Though Jesus spoke more than all the prophets and apostles about judgment day and hell and heaven, so many people today and in our own hearts, we question God. Really? Judgment day? A place where God is not? Hell? How could a loving God say such things? So what do we do with all that? What do we do with all of these questions, and, and maybe the scoffers out in the world today, especially when it comes to the end of all things, standing judgment, what do we do when people reject, when they reject the truth over words, when the truth is undeniable? I mean, that's what we're really wrestling with today. And so if you're taking notes, filling in the blanks, uh, how does it make sense to reject something over words when the truth is undeniable. God has spoken, and again and again, God fulfills his promises. Jesus is the proof. Peter is concerned about his people having to wrestle with that. And Peter knows all the things that the world offers up, which is contrary to God and speaking against God as if he's a liar. And Peter doesn't want their faith shaken. He doesn't want your faith or mind shaken. And so he picks up on a pressing issue in that day and really today. I mean, what about the second coming? Why is it taking so long? Is it really going to happen? So let's dive right into our, our text here in 2 Peter 3, 4, and consider how God addresses this scoffing that takes place even in our day. Peter quotes the scoffers where he says, Where is this coming, he promised? 
Ever since our ancestor died, ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Again, if you're, you're taking notes, fill in the blanks, how does God handle such nonsense? That people would have the audacity to question him when again and again he's proven himself in Jesus in the word that Jesus himself held to the scripture. Here's the answer, and this is why we have our series. God is both tough and tender. Here as well in 2 Peter 3. So let's start with the tough part, right? The, the bad news, if you will. Where is God tough with the world? And we're going to find out why. Where is he tough with us so that, well, for his holy purposes, for your salvation and mine, we can be humbled? So we're ready for his tenderness and don't take it for granted? Uh, you can see it in Peter's response as to that argument, ah, you can't trust God, you can't take him at his word. Peter says this in 2 Peter 3, verse 8, and I'm just going to read uh, verse 8, and then we'll go into verse 9 for the tender news. Peter says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. So why so long? That's the question. And here's the tough answer for Peter, for you, for me, for all of us from God. The tough answer for all, God points to his eternal nature, his eternal nature. That's kind of an abstract, heady thought. Do you understand a little bit? And maybe we can contemplate this for a moment here, God's eternal nature. You ever sit and just pause how God is not like us? He is so far beyond us. We who in this regard are finite, time-bound creatures. This is really important because Peter is silencing the argument with one thought from God about his nature. It's eternal. Maybe I could illustrate it this way to, to better grasp this truth. You and I, we live in the present. We think of the past, which is gone. We, we look ahead to the future, which is uncertain. But to God, God who's outside of time, he's eternal. God who created time, which is kind of mind-blowing, right? You ever think of that? Like, we can't imagine existence without time and space. Well, God created those things for our existence. He doesn't need those. Time is like a book to him, and it's all open, every page. So our day, our present moment right now, it's open. He's on that page. But so is Malachi's day. We, we just read some 2,400 years ago. That day is present to him. It's as vivid and real as this day now. The very beginning, eternity, it, it's all an open book to him. And, and Peter's point is this, when scoffers come along, when, when we even wonder in our hearts, where is this coming that Jesus promised? Can you trust him at his word? God, he speaks to us in his word and he says, what are you talking about? What are you talking about time for to an eternal being, the one who is reality, who created time? You're talking about waiting? To me, who one day is like a thousand years, one thousand years, like a day, it doesn't matter. What is time? 
it's, it's kind of like a kid, if you have any children, right? You're going somewhere exciting. You're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And maybe a mom wants to turn around. Are you, are you being impatient? You want to talk about time? Should I talk about how many hours I was in labor for you? It's kind of a way to humble us. It's almost like Job. Remember the story of Job? Job had suffered. We, we did a whole sermon series on him some time ago. So, uh, Job was so angry, was waiting so much for the Lord to answer as he's suffering, lost it all, and he wants to put God on trial, right? And so for some, I don't know, 37 chapters, he's just accusing God of maybe not doing what is right and good. He wants to put him on trial. Finally, God opens up the heavens, and God comes in a storm, and God says to Job, you want to put me on trial? I'm paraphrasing here. How about I put you on trial, Job? Brace yourself like a man. Let me question you. Where were you? Where were you at the beginning when I made all of this? You give me your insight, your wisdom, Job. You let me know how it is, Job. And he goes on for a few chapters like that. Where were you, Job? Where were you, Job? Where were you? And Job, at the end of it all, he's like, whoops. <laughs> Spoke about things I have no clue about. I'm sorry, Lord. This is the tough answer that God gives to you and me where we wonder, where is this coming? God lovingly, but through tough words, to humble us. He says, you don't know what you're talking about. Who are you to question me and my timing? And God could point out the past and say, do you realize what I've done to show love to you? All that you have is mine. Even my only son I would not spare, and yet you would question me. Of course, God doesn't go into that. He just says one thing. Days like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. And now that we're humbled, God pulls back the curtain. God begins to tell us the why for this length. And so if we move on, we could take a look at 2 Peter, then, chapter 3, verse 9. It says, instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why does it feel so long? Because God loves. And God's love is greater than our impatience. And so why so long? The tender answer for the lost, those who don't even know God, well, God points us to his abundant patience. You see, that's why the hour keeps ticking away and yet seems to have no end. That's why time keeps stretching on, even though we face difficulty and hardship and uncertainty about the future and how this is all going to wind up and, and kind of wonder about that. God allows all this time to continue on because he actually cares. Because he was really serious. That blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, it wasn't just for Peter's generation, but for every generation until the very end when God has rescued the last of the lost. That's God's plan, and isn't that beautiful? What a tender message as, as we long for something better. And usually it's in the storms of life, isn't it? When something isn't going well, when, when we suffer loss, when we face uncertainty with uh, mental struggles, emotional issues, um, physical health, when, when there's family division, 
when we're scared about what's going on in the world, when we stand at the grave of a love sign, usually it's when we ask, God, why? Why couldn't you have come before this? God whispers a tender word through Peter. It's because I love. It's because I love those that are yet lost. I don't want them to perish. You know what I love about Peter's words here? This is coming from a mature Peter. Peter who is, well, wrapping up his last letter. Who knows that he's about ready to die in excruciating, literally excruciating. That comes from crucifixion. He's going to be crucified and upside down. At the end of his life, I I love that someone who has been through every storm, he speaks to us and says, you know, God's timing and why the delay, it's good. Trust me, it's good no matter what we suffer. And that's different from early on with Peter. If you remember his life, you know Peter, Peter. And we've talked a lot about Peter throughout this series, but Peter was always ready for Jesus to reign now. You can see it in the arguments of the disciples as they're along the way and they wanted to see who's ruling now. I mean, John and James and Peter. And when they sat around the table uh, for the Last Supper, Peter gets last place. He's the foot washer, which should have been, but Jesus takes his place. And, And Peter is always about the here and now and let's get things rolling. Even... Even when Jesus had won our salvation and 40 days after is ready to ascend to the heavens to rule over all things, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, you can see Peter and the disciples saying, well, okay, is it now? I mean, you're going to go away real quick, right? But then you're going to come back, and and then we're going to have the kingdom of Israel restored. And we're going to reign here, right? Done with hardship and, and and struggles and trouble. Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time or the hour, just go. Go and make disciples of all nations. And Peter went. And for decades he went. If you, you can read about his, his life in the book of Acts, you can see how he's thrown into prison. And miraculously he's released. He almost dies a number of times. He sees his good friend James die at the hand of the sword. He must have been shocked by that. One of the apostles dead. And as he would live decade after decade, he would hear rumors of more of the apostles put to death for this. I'm sure he asked time and time again, why? Lord, where, are you, where, where is your coming? Lord, rescue us from this. I know you love us. But then it would make sense. Why the delay? In, in Acts 10 and following, you could read about how he had the privilege of meeting this non-Jew outside of Israel Cornelius, at least that was his origins from outside of Israel, knew nothing about Jesus, and he was able to baptize him and his entire family and see them one over. And now this Pentecost for the non-Jews, the Gentiles happened in Peter's lifetime. After years of suffering, it began to make sense. And finally, about 64 AD, when he was headed to his cross, this mature Peter would say it's All worth it, because more people will hear the good news, even if I have to die. And I love the fact, too, that John, the beloved, the apostle, who lived the longest of all the apostles, who was there hearing the prophecy from Jesus about Peter's terrible way of death, how John had to learn this, too. 
John had to learn throughout his life that God is not slow in keeping his promise, but is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. You know the story of John? Who again heard what happened to Peter then in the 60s? Who would have afterwards himself been imprisoned years on the island of Patmos. Uh, church tradition and history would suggest, too, that they tried to poison John, but he miraculously survived. Lucky John, also that he could be in prison. Who in his 90s, we believe, pens the words of the Gospel of John and Revelation, and even pointing out that when Jesus spoke of John, that if Jesus wanted John to live until he returned, what is it to you? Words to Peter? John would come to realize Jesus wasn't saying he would return even in John's lifetime, but would return when it was the proper time. The apostles are like us, is the point. They too, in their life, realized God's timing is always good, it's perfect. And we are blessed to understand this too. God is being tender. He doesn't want the lost to perish. So we move on. Then why so long? More so for our application for us, the tender answer for you. When you cry out in the night and you wonder, why am I even here, Lord? Why don't you just take me home now, Lord? And God is silent. God's tender answer for you, he points to his redeeming power. And that's why I love the whole context of First and Second Peter. It is tough and tender, but God actually starts with tender words. Through the apostle Peter, at the very first letter, in the opening words, this is what Peter says to these people in hardship and suffering, waiting for the Lord God to come. Peter says to you and me who believe, he says, to God's elect, Yes, exiles scattered, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, sprinkled in time with Jesus' blood. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember the next time you're going through the storms, the next time you struggle, the next time you cry out to the heavens, where are you, God? The next time you're bothered by what the world is saying, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something to Jesus, and yeah, God is, is out there perhaps. How close? We don't know. And, but you can't take him at his word. I, I want you to remember that God has spoken, and God cannot lie. He's not like us. And God said of you, before time began, in his foreknowledge, he already had you in mind. And he elected you. He cast his ballot for you. And before time began, he chose you, which is why you're sitting in these chairs right now, watching online right now. This isn't by accident. God's working out everything according to his perfect timing, and here you are. Even in your suffering, you have hope and life. You're going to make it, in other words. Why? Well, because in time, you were sprinkled by that which rescues, redeems, and cannot lose Jesus' blood offered in baptism, offered in the gospel you're hearing right now. God's got you. 
I mean, you can hear the echo of Jesus and his words in John 10. Nothing, nothing can snatch you from my hand. Nothing. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus right now. He knows that you have worries. He knows that you're uncertain about the future, but God has no worries, is not uncertain about your future. And so you can look at your life then in that perspective with all your struggles, all your worries, and you can remember that you're elect, and nothing can change that. And that election, that choosing, that sprinkling of blood in time to make you his would cause us to cling to him more. Making our election and, and calling, sure. And, and Peter had that perspective. He writes about that right here. And, and so if you're taking notes, think of this. God allowed a long, difficult light for Peter for our sake. Just as Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, suffering hardship, wondering how long this time will last, because it felt like an eternity in hell on the cross, and it was. Just as Jesus had his mind on you, knowing that time of suffering was worth it because a resurrection and eternal life is coming. Peter, like Jesus, as he was being crucified, must have had the same thoughts. This is worth it, Lord. You take my martyrdom, you take my death, and you make it work for your glory. Buy more time. Because there are generations yet to know you. And here we are. Maybe think of it this way, if Peter had so pleaded and demanded that Christ return in that moment, where would you be? Where would I be? We wouldn't know Jesus. We wouldn't even be. But God loved you too much to come back in Peter's day. And God loves the future generations yet too much to come back now. Although he might. And so... This final thought for us in regard to you and me and why the length of time. God allows a difficult life for you for the sake of people yet unreached. I want you to think of that the next time something blows up in your family life. God allows the turmoil, he allows the length of time so that the loss might be reached, but he has not forgotten you. I want you to think about that the next time you're in the doctor's office and you get the news, the news that you dreaded, that you were afraid about. And then I want you to take that diagnosis. I want you to take your illness now. I want you to take all your struggles and I want you to make it an offering to God to say it's worth it. Because God is calling to you, do you understand the plan? Do you see that I'm going to allow you to suffer too, just like my son, not because I want your suffering but because this buys more time, because more will be reached in time and through your witness. Take that suffering, make it an offering back to God saying, I give it to you. Yes, let me be stricken. Let me suffer. Let me have hardship, Lord. It is a beautiful offering to you because in this time, more live, more learn of Jesus. More will honor your name, and I know you've got me. And I know I can be a light even now in this darkness. I can point people to the why for the delay.
And then I want to point us to heaven in our last fill-in-the-blank here. In heaven, we will praise Jesus for the speed of his return. Friends, one day, God is coming. And God will come like a thief in the night. It could be before the end of the day. When we're in heaven, we will see all the souls that he reached because of this delay in time. Don't be surprised if people come up to you, too. When they say to you, you know, you look a lot like Jesus. I'm aware of your suffering. I know what you went through. But because you were good with God, because of that time, I came to know him. So thank you for enduring your cancer, your heart condition, the brokenness in your relationships, the loss, the grieving by the graveside. Thank you. It was worth it. Because here we are. And now God is wiping away every tear from our eye. So yes, that day is coming. It's like a thousand years from now. Maybe it's just a day, but it doesn't matter because when we get there, we'll rejoice while we can even rejoice now because it's all according to plan. Yes, even your suffering and hardship, even your why so long questions, God's got this. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we give you thanks. You have spoken. And you've proven yourself that truth is undeniable in Jesus Christ, our salvation. Let us then hold unswervingly to your word, for you do not lie. You are trustworthy and true. Lord, thank you then for sending us your spirit today to give us insight into why so long. Because it's not so long. Lord, you are good and gracious and patient, wanting no one to perish. Lord, bring them in a message like this to you. And Lord, we rely on your redeeming power. We who are elect, who have put our, our faith in Christ by your grace, we who are chosen, sprinkled in the blood of Jesus, Lord, we trust your promise to hold on to us tight until the end. Lord, on you alone we rely. And so we thank you for our days, no matter how short or long. Your timing is perfect. Lord, help us to cling to that truth. And as to this day, Lord, this weekend, this time uh, for our nation as we celebrate once again its birth, we thank you for such a nation as we have where we can worship you in public without fear. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless us with such freedom. And Lord, in these uncertain times, we ask for your care. Lord, make this an opportunity for the church to be more loving, more on hand, so that we might point all to you, that you're in control of the present, in the past, and, of course, the future. So, Lord, we thank you for our country. We ask for your continued providing care. And, Lord, let your Christians in this country and around the world be the salt and light we are to be. Lord, we have many things on our hearts and minds. We commend them to you. And at the cross, we know that you will make all things good. So, Lord, bless your people richly. 